Um, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm very glad Matthew could be on a sabbatical. sabbatical. But uh, one of the things I'm most glad about is just the team that exists here. Uh, Sovereign Grace has never tried to build churches on one superstar pastor, but we've really tried to build together as a team. And the fact that Matthew can go away for an extended period of time, and because of Josh and Chris being here, there's just no drop-off. The church just continues to thrive and function and do well. Is just a testimony to how this team has been built over the years. So I'm grateful to Matthew. I'm grateful to you men. Uh, and I'm grateful for this church, the way you have received all of them over the years. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, Sovereign Grace, in addition to our statement of faith, which you wonderfully read this morning, has what we call our seven shared values. And one of them is our continuationist pneumatology, pneumatology simply being our doctrine of the Spirit. And that value is stated this way. Uh, we believe the Holy Spirit desires to continually fill each believer with increased power for Christian life and witness, including the giving of his supernatural gifts for the building up of the church and for various works of ministry in the world. So continuationism, or what's more commonly known as being charismatic, when you say that word, it, it evokes a wide range of thoughts uh, in people. Um, how many are familiar with the Babylon Bee? Uh, okay, good. Uh, Babylon Bee is a website that satirizes all things Christians. I think the editors are clever, they're funny, they're respectful. But I particularly enjoyed this article uh, a while back called Charismatic Tired of Clarifying She's Not One of Those Weird Charismatics. <laughs> so local Pentecostal Amy Denton is reportedly tired of clarifying she's not one of those weird charismatics. Anytime someone finds out she's Pentecostal, sources close to her confirmed Wednesday. Whenever Denton has a conversation with a Christian from a different background, she immediately must clarify that she does not participate in snake handling, ribbon dancing, spirit slayings, holy laughter, or any other bizarre ritual that have been characterized much of the extremes of the charismatic movement. I don't even own a shofar. An exasperated Denton recently told a reformed sister in Christ who had asked her about all the strange fire that goes on in her church. We just believe that all the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in the New Testament are active and available today. Denton went on record to state that she does not watch the Trinity Broadcasting Network. At publishing time, Denton admitted that she does raise her hands during worship time. <laughs> the reason that that caught my attention other than the obvious humor is this. Sovereign Grace has always been charismatic or continuationist. We've always believed that all the gifts of the Spirit are for day. So uh, we too would want to clarify that we're not one of those weird charismatics or continuationists. But here's the question. So then what kind of charismatics are we? What kind of continuationists are we? 
So my hope in this message that uh, your pastors asked me to do is to provoke your thinking and your talking about the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts in a way that's both theologically clear and practically engaged. We want to be clear with our theology. We want to be engaged practically. And I, I, I want us to be that so that as individual Christians and as a local church, that you are daily experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that makes the difference in your gospel living and in your gospel witness. So to that end, today we're only going to look at one verse, 1 Corinthians 14.1, God's very words. Paul writes, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So I want to do three things today. I want to briefly look at the verse, and then I want to ask some why questions and some how questions uh, of this verse, hopefully with the goal of being theologically clear and practically engaged. So Father, I pray for uh, all of us today, uh, as this church has a long history of charismatic gifting and value these gifts. Uh, I, I pray that uh, this message would serve to just help us renew and refresh uh, our thinking on these things so that we might, our, our lives and the life of this church might be characterized by a dynamism of the spirit in, in every way, broadly. And I pray that it would help folks here if the, if the question gets asked, are you one of those weird ones? Uh, that we'd be able to say, no, I, I think, I hope, I pray we're one of those biblical ones. So I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's just look at the verse. Paul begins, pursue love. Uh, it's not surprising because he just got finished with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, uh, chapter that's in the Bible, not for weddings, but because Paul had a particular concern about the way the Corinthians were using spiritual gifts. And the word he used for pursue is a strong word. It means, it means hot pursuit. Uh, go after love uh, with everything that you have. Be all in on loving others. See, because the Corinthians saw spiritual gifts as proving how spiritual they were. They, how many ever were Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or Cub Scouts or Weeblows? Um, and remember, you'd have a, a merit badges, and you'd have a merit badge sash, remember? And so you'd, you'd get to constantly carry around, yeah, I have all of these merit badges and things like that. To kind of, well, that's, that's what the Corinthians were like. They looked at, that, at the spiritual gifts that they were able to display as their merit badges. And Paul is correcting this perspective in no uncertain terms. The Corinthians could not have been more wrong about what it meant to be spiritual. That love, Paul is telling them, is the true sign of spirituality. That the truly spiritual person, the person that truly has the Holy Spirit, their love for others is what proves that spirituality, not their spiritual gifts. Nothing is more important than loving others 
uh, and that those who practice spiritual gifts without love, Paul actually says in chapter 13, they not only gain nothing, but they are nothing. David Pryor said it this way, I may be successful, I may get results, I may be admired, appreciated and applauded, but as far as God and eternity is concerned, I am nothing. So most importantly, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, Paul is not saying either or. Paul isn't saying, look, pursue love, just forget about this whole spiritual gifts thing. Any more than he would say, you know, pursue spiritual gifts, but forget about all of this love thing. In fact, he makes love the priority because love, love assures that a desire for spiritual gifts will be rightly motivated in the person that desires those gifts. But at no time, not only in this letter, but in any of his letters, does Paul ever denigrate spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts are given as a way to love others. They're given as a way to serve others. So don't just desire them, but earnestly desire them, Paul says. The Niv says eagerly desire them. And don't just desire them, but pursue them with a sincerity and with an intentionality and an intensity. In other words, Paul doesn't want us to be half-hearted or have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude towards spiritual gifts. And especially that you may prophesy. Now, in the context of chapter 14, um, that's because of the intelligibility of, of, of prophecy and the particular value that it has in three ways that Paul mentions uh, for upbuilding or edification or strengthening, uh, especially the strengthening of our faith, for encouragement, because life can be discouraging and sometimes we need to be prodded and pushed to act and for consolation or comfort because sometimes life is hard and we need reassurance. We need to know that things are gonna be okay. And then also notice one last thing about this verse. And that is that all Christians are invited to pursue this, this gift. All Christians are, are invited to earnestly desire this gift of prophecy. So that's, that's the verse simply. But like I said, we want to ask two questions. The first one is this, why? Given that these gifts are so controversial, even in Paul's day, given that they can be easily misused, wouldn't it just be easier to kind of push them to the background? Wouldn't it just be easier to neglect them? And the answer is no, and here is why. Because we have a mission mandate. Be because we need the Holy Spirit's empowering presence to fulfill the mission mandate that we have both outside the church and within the church. Th that's, that's why, even though they can be controversial, even though they can be misused, that's why we cannot afford to neglect them because we have a mission. So breaking that down, um, several other ways. One, uh, notice that this is a command, not a suggestion. Uh, Paul doesn't say, you know, you might want to consider 
this whole spiritual gift deal sometime if you get around to it? No, this is God's word. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Secondly, um, we don't want to neglect them because they build up the church. Uh, Throughout chapter 14, Paul argues that the most important thing about these spiritual gifts is that the church is built up. So in verse 3, upbuilding. Verse 4, the one who prophesies builds up the church. Verse 5, so that the church might be built up. Verse 12, strive to excel in building up the church. Uh, and as Paul summarizes at the end of the chapter, 1426, let all things be done for building up. We, we, we can't neglect these because they build up the local church. Uh, thirdly, we can't neglect them because they glorify God. Uh, in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, Peter writes this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In, in, in other words, the, the right use of these gifts glorify God. Now, we, we glorify God when our words, our actions, and even our very thoughts say what is true about him. And, and spiritual gifts practiced in love glorify God because they say things that are true about him. They speak to his goodness. They speak to his love for his people. They speak to his shepherding care. They speak to his power. They speak to the fact that he sees his people's troubles. He sees their struggles. He sees their hurt. He sees their weaknesses. And so he sends these gifts so his people might be edified, so his people might be strengthened. And so when we practice these spiritual gifts, we're saying something true about who God is, what God is like, how he relates to his people, and in that he is, he is glorified. Uh, fourthly, spiritual gifts are a sign of Jesus' active presence and his ministry among us. Uh, Jesus promised, as you well know, in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. And when we experience spiritual gifts, we see tangible proof of that promise that Jesus has given us to build the church. We see tangible proof through the work of his Holy Spirit among us. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Milne said, said wisely, the deepest words which can be spoken about Christian ministry in all of its forms is that it is nothing other than the ministry of the risen Lord among and through his people. So why, why can't we neglect these? Well, it's a command. They build us up. They glorify God. And they show us that Jesus is actively present and building his church among us. But then how? How, how do we do this? How, how, are we, how are we supposed to fulfill this? Well, I want to spend the rest of our time here. And my summary recommendation would simply be this. Consistent, intelligent, passionate pursuit of spiritual gifts and the blessings that ensue. Uh, Consistent, 
Not just, hey, yeah, we had a message, let's, let's but it, it's something that's consistently part of your, of your life. It's intelligent. It's theological. It's not based on experience. It's not based on what we heard happened at some church in California. Um, it's based on God's word. And it's, it's passionate, it's eager, it's earnest, as we've been called to. So uh, on this last point, how, two subpoints. we want to do it with perspective and the right proportionality. And then lastly, we want to do it with persistence. Um, when we think about spiritual gift, we must always think about spiritual gifts in the larger context of our, of our entire relationship with the Holy Spirit and in the larger context of uh, the local church and how we, how we understand the local church. When, when we lose sight of, of that larger context, um, I, I think is, is when we can so often tend to go astray. So uh, with perspective and portionality, first of all, that our experience of the Holy Spirit should be lifestyle driven, not event driven that we, we live with a daily dependence on the Spirit that includes, but is not limited to, gifts for ministry. We, we want to see churches who are full of people who are filled with the Spirit. And as a result, they're enjoying that corresponding joy and passion and, and dynamism and empowerment that goes with the, with the Spirit. We don't want our experience of the Spirit just to be an occasional Sunday or an occasional time of prayer. We need the Holy Spirit daily. I, I, I uh, do a Holy Spirit course at um, Crossway, and I, I call the course God's Empowering Presence. That's what the Spirit is about. God is empowering uh, us through the Spirit on a daily basis. It's why Paul says, in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or in the Greek tense, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Gordon Fee says, always be so. In other words, that the Holy Spirit, uh, our experience of the Spirit isn't a one-time event way in the past, but it's a daily seeking his filling, his empowerment, his working in your life. It's a daily dependence upon him. Now, um, I'll let Matthew, if you have questions about this, answer your theological questions. But we believe we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit at conversion. That when you're converted, you receive all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to need. And um, that at that point, you have complete access to every blessing, including gifts, that the Holy Spirit would desire to give. But we can access that filling or fullness throughout our Christian lives. Uh, D.A. Carson, who's not exactly the go-to guy for spiritual gifts from my perspective, he certainly gets this one right. Listen to what he says. Although I find no biblical support for a second blessing theology... I do find support for a second, third, fourth, or fifth blessing theology. Although I think it extremely dangerous to pursue a second blessing attested by tongues, I think it is no less dangerous not to pant after God at all or to be satisfied 
with a merely creedal Christianity that's kosher, but complacent, orthodox, but ossified, sound, but soundly asleep. So let, let's, let's let our pursuit of the Spirit not just be event-driven or occasion, but a lifestyle of daily dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Secondly, let's celebrate the Spirit's broad work. Um, we need to beware of becoming one-dimensional in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. I think this is the biggest problem with a lot of charismatic churches, that their understanding of the Spirit is limited to nine gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, and that's about as far as it goes. We, we, we cannot afford to do that. We don't want to do that. We need to recognize that the Spirit's work is broad, that the Holy Spirit is working all the time, all around us, and we don't want to miss it. Because here's what happens if we do. We then begin, subtly begin disconnecting the work of the Spirit from the gospel. We subtly disconnect the work of the Spirit from the ongoing gospel blessings that we have that includes the Holy Spirit. Uh, in Genesis 28, 16, you're familiar with the story of Jacob's ladder, where Jacob has this dream and then he wakes up in the morning and he says, surely God is in this place, but I did not know it. Uh, J.D. and I had an interesting experience a few years ago. We uh, were driving to Knoxville to see our uh, daughter and grandchildren and her husband too, but we just kind of include him. <laughs> and there's a tunnel that you go through. And as we were always in, we're almost in Knoxville, I said, do you remember going through that tunnel? And she said, no, I don't. And so we're like, Miss, did, we, did we actually go through that tunnel? Uh, you know, surely there was a tunnel there, but we didn't know it. Well, I think that's what can happen if we're not aware of the broad work of the Spirit, that we miss that God's in this place, and we, we, didn't, we didn't even know it. We missed it. Um, let's take some examples. The miracle of regeneration, that people are getting saved. That's broad work of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Spirit. Uh, the blessing of illumination, your ability to actually understand your Bible when you read it or when you hear God's word preached. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Uh, and then power for holiness, that day-to-day -day ability to grow and, and to mature, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory for another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, greatness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That, that as, as you're growing in holiness, as you're growing in maturity, as you're growing into the image of Jesus, as you're seeing other people, that's the Holy Spirit at work in this church. And we don't want to miss his broad work by when we think of the Holy Spirit just kind of beelining to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and nine gifts. So we want to celebrate the Spirit's broad work. And we want to, thirdly, celebrate the Spirit's broad gifts. 
Our, our continuation as bona fides have to do more with an occasional prophecy on Sunday morning or with speaking in tongues, the so-called miraculous or spectacular or sign gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Uh, they're, of course, to be pursued in practice. Uh, they are largely what sets apart uh, continuationists from cessationists. Uh, but we, we want to make sure we're emphasizing all the Spirit's gifts. Um, the uh, biblical authors actually list, have five different lists of spiritual gifts. And some of those gifts have nothing to do with what we might think of spectacular gifts. Mercy and serving and giving and administration and hospitality and leadership, which I think all of those are spectacular. Uh, but the point is, we want to make sure when we think of spiritual gifts, we're, we're thinking and celebrating all these broad gifts. So when the, there's many people in this church that have, just have an unusual gift of serving. And when we see them operating, we see, wow, that's, that's the Holy Spirit at work. Or or, or, or or people like Anna who um, have a, a, a gift to want to go down to, and thank you for doing that. I saw you there earlier. Oh, there you are, hiding. Um, thank you for going down there and doing that. But but that's an expression of a gift of mercy to want to go down and, and to serve them. And we don't want to miss that. We want to make sure we recognize um, those those things. We, we want to recognize uh, Josh and Chris's gift of leadership as uh, Matthew's away on sabbatical and they've just taken right over and, and, and they're doing a great job. So we, we want to celebrate the Spirit's broad gifts and the many ways they're displayed all around us. We don't want to miss them. Uh, fourthly, under uh, proportionality, we, we want to keep the primacy of preaching. Another one of the weaknesses of classical charismatic churches is an overemphasis on the spectacular. Like a good Sunday meeting, I remember the day, a good Sunday meeting was you'd have a prophecy and then you'd have a ministry time and there wouldn't be time to preach. Like, man, that was a great great meeting. Uh, No. Um, Now listen, the Spirit can often sovereignly and graciously send gifts and bless and edify. We should be grateful. We should eagerly desire those things. But that is never, ever a replacement for the word preached. And it could never supplant the word preached as the number one value on Sunday mornings and the number one reason why we gather here together as God's people. Because here's the reality, the place that we most consistently and fruitfully meet God Sunday after Sunday is through his word. It's when Matthew or Chris or Josh or anybody else gets up here and you open up your Bible and you preach your word. Can't guarantee a prophecy or some anointed ministry, but these men can guarantee that each and every week they're going to work hard to study God's word and to come up and rightly divide it and then present it uh, to you, and in that way that you're going to um, experience the blessing of God's work in your life uh, as you will nowhere else. John Piper said this, something's incredibly wrong when the words we hear outside of Scripture 
are more powerful and more affecting to us than the inspired words of Scripture. And I would agree, that would be incredibly wrong. Fifth, we need to beware of chasing experience. Tom Schreiner, uh, who's a cessationist, has a book on the spiritual gifts, and he used this word I'd never heard, eudaimonism. Has anybody ever heard of eudaimonism? Okay, so eudaimonism means the belief that God means us to spend our time in this fallen world feeling well and in a state of euphoria based on that fact. Now I'm thinking, that sounds good to me. Uh, give me some eudaimonism. Uh, I'll take it, euphoria and feeling well. But the, the rub comes in when that's what we expect our Christian life to be like. Uh, he went on to say the weakness of Pentecostalism becomes apparent when they try to routinize the extraordinary, that is, make it a regular part of day-to-day living. Listen, most of Christian life is routine, isn't it? Most of it is normal, even, even spirit-filled Christian life. And we can't expect, and we shouldn't expect, uh, our life to move from one dramatic, exciting, spiritual encounter to another, uh, although praise God for those. Miracles, by definition, don't happen often. That's why they're called miracles. Uh, that's why we, we need to emphasize the Spirit's broad work. It's why we need to emphasize the Spirit's broad gifts. Praise God for those, those moments where God manifests himself in miraculous ways. But pray God for just the routine, everyday way God meets for his people and cares for his people through the Holy Spirit. Uh, in earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, we must always make sure we desire them in proportion to the scripture's emphasis and the entire spirit-filled life. So with perspective and portionality is how, and then lastly with persistence. Just a few things here. Um, it's worth repeating first, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, that's the main takeaway here, isn't it? Um, 2 Corinthians twelve thirty one. Paul eagerly, earnestly desire the highest gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So a takeaway ought to be we should persistently be obeying that command. Uh, secondly, uh, actively seek to serve. My experience over the years has been that it is those who not just pursue a gift, but pursue serving who experience the gift. Understand? In other words, don't come passive to Sunday. Don't come passively to your small group uh, meetings. Uh, come, come eagerly desiring gifts so that you might serve. Come with a heart of compassion for people. Come with a desire to meet other people's needs. Come with your eyes open. Come with your ears open. See what's going on around you. Listen to what people are, are, are saying to you. Um, 
Because those, those are the things, that compassion, that, that alertness, those, those are the things that are most often the condition for God to manifest the, a spiritual gift, for the Holy Spirit to be active among you. You know, to resist the, the fear and the pride and the, and the unbelief. But just come not saying, uh, I really want to display a spiritual gift. Come saying, God, is there some way, Father, is there some way is there, is there a person here this morning th- that needs a, th- that needs something from the Father through the Holy Spirit? Is there somebody here? Is there somebody at our small group that I maybe could pray for? Maybe, maybe God would give me a prophecy. Um, maybe a gift of healing. Um, but that, that requires a heart to serve. It requires compassion. And, and, and doing so faithfully. Faithfulness is one of the most powerful principles in Scripture, isn't it? Just, just, just to, be, to be faithful. Um, you know, in Jesus, the, the parable of the minas and the talents, it, it wasn't the most gifted person. It was the most faithful person that received the, the blessings. Um, God's just look. God's just looking for faithful servants. He's always been looking for faithful servants, um, and He's able to give faithful servants whatever gifts uh, He He desires to accomplish the task that He desires. So you might think I'm not gifted in that area. Well, you know what? Just faithfully serve, and you might be surprised uh, the gifts that God gives you and the way that God wants to bless you. Let me uh, close with a final encouragement. And Josh, I forget, are we doing a song? Oh, okay. Uh, so the band can come up. Here's the, here's the wonderful news. Our earnest desire for gifts is more than matched, more than matched by God's earnest desire to give the Holy Spirit and gifts to his church. How about that? God isn't just saying, earnestly desire these spiritual gifts, and eh, we'll see, you know, maybe. No, he, he's, for a picture, he's on the edge of his seat, the edge of his throne, looking for people who want to serve and who have compassion and who earnestly desire spiritual gifts to pour forth his gifts upon them. So listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. For everyone who receives, who everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you is his son asks for a fish? Will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father... Now, this is the surprise. Think, think about Jesus saying this, and then think about what he says now. How much more will the, Holy, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That is totally out of the blue in context. It's totally unexpected in context, but it's totally like God, isn't it? to give us this wonderful promise of the Holy Spirit to all those who ask, who all those who seek, 
and all those who knock, that the Father isn't going to give a lesser gift. He's not going to give you anything that will harm you. He knows how to give gifts. So how much more? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen.